Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. All right, welcome back to Coffee and Conversations. So glad to have Christian Harden with us today. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening. Wherever you're at and whatever time of day it is. Good day. So when you picture our listeners right now, what are they doing? Are they on the treadmill? Could be on the treadmill, could be working in the yard. Mowing. uh, Mowing, yeah. I I typically listen in the car. I have a long commute. I think right now they're raking leaves up there in the U.S. Yeah. But if they're not, hey, what are you doing? Let us know. If you're in London, are you? What are you doing? What's what does we have fall quite, look like? Over we have there? some listeners in the Philippines and Ireland. We yeah, know that. Shout out to you guys. Come and let us know. Podcast at kiko k i c k o dot o r g. Send us an email. Let us know what you're doing as you're listening, and some of the interviews you would like us to to hear um, published and uh, talk to some other leaders around the globe. That's where we're headed next. Is around the globe, not just the U.S. That's right, going out of um, the country. Yep, going out, going on the road from right here in Knoxville. So super excited. Today is part two, Christian. Part two of who? Dana Jones. Oh, it's me. She is back. So she was means, part one. That means she got hired. Possibly. Something. We haven't, we haven't gotten there By something or someone in Knoxville. Oh, spoiler alert. Or she's alert. homeless. Spoiler alert. So yeah, we're going to um, want you to go back and listen to part one from last fall is she was a Thrive resident, uh, participating in the Thrive Residency Program, and um, she's going to tell a little bit of just kind of a recap, pros and cons, highs and lows, lessons learned, growth areas, all that good stuff from um, the residency itself, from her placements, both in church and nonprofit. Yeah. Very unique. A hybrid. I think that added a little extra to her because she's a little extra special. She could handle it. <laughs> but I also know that that can be very stressful. So, yeah. Um, I mean, man. she comes from Grand Grand Rapids, <laughs> Sioux Falls. <laughs> Does she, though? <laughs> she's from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Help build cars, labor lines. So, yep. Here we go with Dana Jones. How are you? Today, I am stable. <laughs> today. It's, it's day to day, isn't right. it? Right. Why would I? Yeah. No, I'm good today. That's I feel awesome. I'm good today. Love it. Well, I'm super excited to hear just uh, your reflections. And mm-hmm. I think our listeners can kind of um, can, can relate to process and journey. I mm-hmm. hope that you guys value that like we do. Um, you know, meeting people in process and journey. And uh, I think we're going to get to hear a little bit about what that journey was like for Dana during the Thrive Residency. So share a little bit about um, that program. How long was it? Um, and a little bit of just kind of the, yeah. the pros and cons, the highs and lows. Yeah. So the Thrive Residency is a 10-month program. It's now TR. Um, so you guys can look for it at TR. But uh, Thrive Residency, TR, was a 10-month program where we live together communally in a house. So there's 10 of us in a house. Uh, We took classes together. We were placed at different uh, job sites to see what it would look like to work full-time in vocational ministry and to see if that's actually somewhere that God was asking us to go. And how do you, how do you work in vocational ministry in a healthy way and not just burn yourself out, have emotional unhealth left and right? Like, how do you do it in a healthy way? And so that was a big, big, big focus of the residency program is how do you work and how do you live as a holistic being and how you how do you do that in health and uh we had great leadership neil anderson was our leader and you can listen to him on this podcast that's too. right part one and two part one and two 
Yep. yep. And Lots to say. <laughs> yeah. And we barely scratched the surface. So. Really true. So wait a minute. You first of all, like she said, lived communally with ten residents. That's a lot of people. Did you know any of these people before you showed up in Tennessee? Yeah. No, I didn't know anybody. And, and about what stage of life are they all in? So um, people in the house range from 22 to 29. But then when we ended the program, it was 23 and 30. So, you know, you add a year because mm-hmm. your birthday. But, yeah, so uh, 20s, people who want to go into full-time ministry think that's something that's happening yeah. in their life. They're just exploring the it, what are those yeah. next steps. How do right. I, okay. Right. And what are my options um, and what are the, the downfalls of vocational ministry and whatever. So, yep, I didn't know any of these people at all. So that leads me to what were some of the biggest challenges for sure? Because I think I, I like <laughs> I can already know what mine would be. Wash your dishes full? What? You're going you're gonna to drop really? your, your laundry right there and just leave it? In a break water bottle? I had roommates. Yeah. They're all, they're all just roommates. Mm-hmm. I had some good ones. I had one good one. I had I just had a roommate. Oh man, it was Nolan. He was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. he did my laundry. I did his dishes. Still friends. <laughs> what he did you? What? He liked Isn't doing laundry. That is so weird. He liked it doing is. my. He liked doing laundry. And, I don't even know. And that. I liked to clean kitchen, so we had to like find some common ground pretty early on. Wow. It well, worked. I'm not even sure still what to friends. say about all that. Yeah. Best of friends. Yep. Still works with us. Yeah. Volunteers with Kikos. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit. What, okay. were, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the growth moments? What were some of your highs, your just best experiences? Tell us a little bit about that with the residency. Yeah, I think that there were a lot of hard things. Um, moving across the country, I moved here from Denver. Um, and so the first couple of months, it was really exhausting to get familiar with two new jobs and a new city where the grid system for the streets is not north and south, east, and west. That's what I've always lived on yeah, is a grid system for rooms. And you guys, I know it sounds silly, but that was the most exhausting thing for me. I couldn't figure out where I was. I had to use my GPS, and I never have to use my GPS. Now I'm good, and I don't need to. But it was really exhausting to figure that out. Um, I don't think I've ever noticed it. What do you mean? Oh, it's... Like, it's like a spider web out here. Roads do not go one direction. They go left, right, up, down, all right. around We town. have hills. Just yeah. kind of, uh, right. We have to work around it. You got to right. work around it. <laughs> the limestone, the clay deposits. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was really exhausting. Um, yeah, it was ex- ex- exhausting to move to a new space. I have two jobs. Um the, I was working as an interim kids pastor at a church down in Maryville called Vineyard. It's an incredible church, and I really respect and love those people there. And they gave me the ability to be the interim kids pastor to see uh, if working in a church setting was something that God was maybe calling me to. And when I started the program, I had a very strong feeling that I was not going to work in a church, um, but options kept popping up. So I said, I'll just I'll just give it a shot, God, and see see what you do. Maybe you'll surprise me. And, um, yeah, ended up working there and they, I was in charge of like a massive kids ministry and I am still shocked that they trusted me, uh, to do that. But yeah, it was exhausting to learn all these kids' names there, teach there, and then also have over a hundred kids here in Knoxville with inner city kids that I'm learning their names and, uh, completely different dynamics. So I was like switching between how do I engage with church kids in suburban Maryville, Tennessee? And how do I work with unchurched kids in inner city Knoxville? 
Um, very, very, very different backgrounds, very different ways of approaching things, different ways I have to speak and communicate. And so I am very thankful because I think that it stretched me and I learned how to communicate with kids in very different ways. Kids are pretty easy for me to communicate with in general, but um, to learn different techniques for different kids who go through different experiences, uh, it was very beneficial. And I got to learn a lot at the at the church about administrative things and um yeah, I, yeah, that's that's a big thing that I learned there. Administrative things, keeping things organized and flow, and yeah. Um, what did you ask me? So then? you reflected on your church experience because you shared a little right. bit about that. Like um, right. you said, going into it, you're like, yeah, I don't think I yeah. really want to do. What what was what was your take on it afterwards? Yeah, so it was about October that I had this strong gut feeling. I knew if I'm gonna. <laughs> so be, it wasn't long. No, it was very very quick. I knew that if I was going to do ministry in a healthy way, there is no way that I can be split between two ministries because I cannot invest fully in either of them because I'm just spread way too thin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I knew that there was going to have to be a switch, a change, and um, it could only be one. And I knew that inner city kids had my heart from the beginning, um, from where I came from and my upbringing and uh, things that I've experienced. But... Yeah, so I knew that the inner city kids is was gonna be where uh, I landed. It just it, it in a, in a weird way it feels like home. It feels um, it feels safe to a degree for me, and it working with inner city kids specifically has healed a lot of hmm. um, like inner inner wounds that I've had, child wounds that I've had just in this last year even. And so I knew I knew that it was gonna be with them. How how has working with inner city kids helped you process your past? Like that's what you're kind of saying. Like, mm-hmm. paint that picture for me. Yeah, I. Um, Did you relate to what where they were coming from, and it was causing you as you're helping yes. them to help yourself? Is yes, that... yes, one hundred percent. So, I. Um, Growing up, I was just kind of my own parent. I didn't really have present parents. My dad worked a lot, was out of town, and my mom uh, was either at work or uh, drinking alcohol. So, um, yeah, my parents were not very present for me. And I had an older brother who – I still have an older brother, but an older brother who was uh, very aggressive and explosive towards me specifically. And so um, being with these kids – I know I know how to communicate with them because like I understand to a degree what it's like to like not have really present parents to not have people who you feel like support you to not have basic emotional needs met. I think that's the biggest thing is I did not have basic emotional needs met growing up. And so when I see these kids and they they act out or they do something, it's really easy for me to look at them and say I like I can see right through this. Yeah. Like I really do. I because I've been there. Like there was a time in my life where I was throwing hands. There was a time in my life where I was angry. There was a time in my life where I was quick to say whatever came to mind. Um, and so I, I like I I understand to a degree uh, huh. where they are coming from, and and the needs the the basic emotional needs that they have. And as I am loving them and just showing them that I see them and that I know their name and that like they are not forgotten and that they're not alone. In a, in a way, it's healing little Dana. Um, and I have to, like, even intentionally switch that back on myself and say, Dana, you are not alone, and, like, you you are worthy mm. of love. And so there's a lot on, on, in there for me. But, um, 
yeah, and I also was a very serious kid um, and didn't have much room for play. I didn't allow myself to play much because of circumstances that were surrounding me. Hmm. And so being with kids uh, just, yeah, takes me back to childhood and it gets to form this part of me that that gets to play now and yeah. uh, have yeah. fun and laugh and just goof around. And so, yeah, it's been so healing. Yeah. Like working with kids is so healing for me every single day still. It's amazing just like how much fun and moving your body and things like that for kids and for adults can yeah. be so healing, can be kind of right. the gateway to address some of those deeper, if, if it will just kind of let some walls down and allow some fun that has never happened before in a safe place, right. in a safe way. Right. Um, you know, just the other day I was hearing a man talk that is that had come from some of the communities that we serve. He now is um, from recovery to a redeemed life that is helping others find purpose who are coming from that same background of addiction. And uh, he was talking about how a lot of our youth, and including himself, were never taught to identify their emotions, mm-hmm. to name them, but then also to know what to do with them in a healthy way. And that's one of the things that as I hear you talking, you're talking about how I I know some of the feelings these kids are having and not having those emotional needs met. And I can see now why that's become so important um, in just the ministry that we're doing, that you're doing, that is added to this team and and really helping our kids address those things that we could bring them to Christ, Mm -hmm. but we could bring them to Christ emotionally unhealthy. And there's, go ahead and Google search that, a plethora of books written about it, podcasts, you know, recorded about emotionally unhealthy leaders and emotionally unhealthy, you know, Christians and spiritual, you know, deformancies that come out. You know, it's just like there's a plethora of issues that we bring to Christ as we are, absolutely, as we should. But we have to go back and, like, address some of those things that we don't want to dig up that aren't comfortable, but... Um, it's really neat to see how God is using that um, for kids today and even for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that ever stops for any of us. Right. right. But that's the beauty of it. But I, I love to hear that and, and how God's using it. But tell me a little bit. So what were some of the highlights of experiences with just the residency program? What were some of the things you guys did? I don't think I'm even aware of all that. <laughs> sure. I know, I know she was gone a lot <laughs> for Once a month at trips <laughs> and retreats. Well, I'm pretty sure I gave Neil a hard time. I was like, oh, oh yeah, y'all are gone again. Of course you are. <laughs> yeah, you were actually angry. Don't you By the time we got that. to the end of it, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> y'all have more vacations. I did my than... <laughs> job. <laughs> this is quiet I quitting. I <laughs> um, So things that we did in the TR program. Yep, yep, let's we hear We went on different retreats. And so we went on a retreat where we shared our stories. We went on a spiritual formation retreat. We went on a silent retreat. We went on a... Painful a spiritual painful. discernment retreat, which was hmm. really awesome. What do you do um, on a spiritual discernment retreat? You listen to God as people share things that they're working through. And I love mm. listening to God. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so uh, that I, I just really came alive at that retreat to hmm. be able to tap into listening on behalf of others. It's something that I really love, 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 love. So to similar to the spiritual direction that we're kind of engaging in and listening similar. in conversation. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went on different retreats. We took classes. So I had classes on Tuesday nights and on Fridays. Yeah. So my day With on Tuesday, <laughs> y'all, my day on Tuesday, I was up at whatever time, worked 9 to 5.30, busted a move across town to go to class and had class until 9. And so I wasn't home 
at all on Tuesdays. Man. And so Saturday was my only day that I didn't have anything, um, which was crazy. So that's my Sabbath. But those are things that we did during the program. We had dinner every week together on Monday. The residents yeah. as well as like the leadership of mm-hmm. the, the residency. Residents and Neil and his family. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was so the dynamic like uh, at the house between dinners and and everything? So 10 people in a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting because there are always uh, dynamics going on yeah. um, and not usually pleasant. <laughs> and so um, to come together at a, a family-style dinner it's and know that TV there shows. is... Oh, for sure. To know that there is so much tension w- between these two people or these people oh, or like this group and this group. It was just really interesting. It was really interesting. Um, it was it was hard for me. I'm a pretty direct person. And it was hard for me to uh, sit and watch and observe all this. Um, and people just really just pacified so much of what was going on. Uh, and people were li- really scared to bring up the, the conflict or the tension. And so... Um, that made me angry. <laughs> uh, I would say that that was uh, a hard thing for me to experience in the residency program. Just that uh, a lot of people are really scared of conflict and I'm not. And uh, it just added to the tension. It made everything 10 times worse when you avoid conflict and then it just blows up and and whatever. But yeah, so I would say that that was a hard part of the residency for me. Um, I... Makes for good TV, but bad living. <laughs> right. Especially because I'm working two jobs. I'm drained, and then I go home and I feel drained. And so yeah, it was really a rest. Yeah, it was an exhausting 10 months. But God did teach me a lot. Um, and I can see that in retrospect a lot easier. I was able to see part of it in, in the midst of the program. But something that uh, I learned a lot in the last year was uh, that God speaks to us through our bodies, that we are embodied people. We're not just a spirit. We're not just a head. We're just not not just emotions, but we have physical bodies, and our bodies are smart. Our bodies want to tell us what's going on. And so I knew that going into the program, and I, I'd had experience with my body kind of sending me warning signs of, oh, something's wrong. You need to address this before it gets way out of hand. Um, but then I just kind of neglected it because it felt easier in the program to just – ignore my bodily responses, the stress in my shoulders, twitching, whatever it might be. Um, and about halfway through the program, God uh, brought me to a f- like a freedom emotionally, like emotional freedom in a sense, through recognizing my bo- like what my body is telling me. To become embodied uh, is to experience freedom. And so he taught me a lot about that in the program of, uh, no, my body is good and my body can tell me the truth and my body can warn me and... Um, yeah, so we didn't, you didn't ask to go there, but <laughs> through That's like good. a lot of difficulty that I experienced in the program, God taught me a lot about freedom through moving our bodies, through listening to our bodies and taking care of our bodies. And yeah. That's really good. That's awesome. I've got, I, I'm looking forward to hearing kind of like what you're passionate about now, now that you have mm-hmm. come on board full time with Kiko doing inner city work. We got her. We got to keep her. Sorry, Mayor of Vineyard. We love you guys too, but not for Dana. Yeah. Not for you. So, but before we do ask some of the questions I'm excited to hear about, I, I think we should do a couple of rapid fires. Rapid this is the part. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is the part of the show where the questions get fast and the answers get slow. Usually, yeah. Usually. Um, probably with you, it will be slow, Dana. Um, so, 
obviously, we, uh, four episodes ago slash a year ago, um, we asked you some just very generic rapid fire questions. Uh, can't really do those again because in a year, they're probably the same answers. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, what I will ask okay. is in this last year, uh, what is like your like in the last year, your favorite activity outdoor activity that you might have picked up that you weren't doing before or something that you discovered that you like just really needed? Okay. Um, actually two things. Can I say two things? Yeah. Floor is uh, yours. Love, love, love pickleball. I knew that I love pickleball before being here, but the weather just makes it so easy to play here Yeah. because it's warm most of the time. And there are a lot of people who here who like to play pickleball. So pickleball one and yoga. Yoga has been so important for me and has been a really healing force. It go, kind of goes back to how God taught me about where embodied people and uh, freedom and healing can come through physical release and caring for our bodies. And so yoga actually uh, was my lifeline during the residency program towards the end. And, and even now still, uh, it just releases so much in my body. It's, it's crazy how it can just immediately change my mood. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. But pickleball, the pickleball, pickleball. That's, that's where I'm. That's where yeah, I'm we try up. to play like once, once, twice a month as a staff. It's we're getting fun. better. I'm we're not good. Better. The weather's getting better for it. The weather is getting better. We need to stretch next time. Uh, so, you read a lot of books. You think I read more books than I do? I've seen the stack on your desk. One of the first weeks I knew you, you brought a book back. The next day after I'd gave it to you, you read a lot of books. <laughs> um, what has been like the most like? influential book in the last year that oh, you I actually have got read. It. I got it. This Year Flesh by Cole Arthur Riley. Oh my gosh, you need to go get that book right now. This Year Flesh. It's just called This Year Flesh? This Here This flesh. Here. Okay. This Here. Would you say This flesh. Year? This Year? This Year? This 2022, whatever this 2022 is. Flesh. Y'all, this book is beautifully written. Uh, the way that she writes, I don't know if I've met another christian author who writes like her it's beautiful it's easy to understand lots of really incredible metaphors and uh it goes back to oh my gosh again the theme of being embodied and being physical people it's just it's an incredible book i i would recommend that to anybody that's awesome if who you turned wanna, you on to it uh her and her the I gram her, i follow her follow I follow her on Instagram. You guys are close. So I pre-ordered it. Yeah, we're close. Pre-ordered. Yeah, I pre-ordered. You're a Kickstarter. That's how much I value what she has to say. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Through the gram. Last one. Uh, The South is a different field when it comes to food for for just most of the rest of the country. What has been like your favorite Southern meal that you've had in the last year? Have you had a southern meal? I don't think I have. What has been your favorite meal here in the South the last year? Um, well, I'm going to actually sidetrack You mean poke bowls are not southern? Like, <laughs> if you had, Love that. Have you had biscuits and gravy? Have you had yeah. grits? At camp. <laughs> so here's the deal. I'll, I'll just talk about this. So I'd never fried heard green tomatoes? of okra. I haven't tried it yet. No fried okra? I was supposed to. So, well... I had never heard of okra before I moved here. And our first lunch, <laughs> Michael, we got okra. That's at, right. Uh, Soul Good. Soul Good. And that was my first time ever trying okra or even hearing of okra. That's so funny. Um, but also banana pudding is like a southern thing. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, that sounds about right. I'd never had it before. Sweet tea. And I probably just stayed away from it if it was an option because pudding, eh, not 
not a thing for me. Sure. Yeah, what am I, but, three? Oh, my gosh. I love banana it's pudding. Good, isn't it? Love it. It's got to have a good vanilla wafer to pudding ratio. Right. Mm-hmm. Like some people bananas, are like. Bananas. I love. You have to have a lot of bananas. I need a banana in each bite. I need a, mm-hmm. I need a portion of a I, wafer. I, yeah, I need everything in each bite. I need in every bite. Don't don't like put two wafers in the whole banana pudding. Why, why would you do that? Cover yeah. Use the box. Use the That's box. That's why you buy the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good stuff. But you're vegan now. Partially. Every other week. Every other week. <laughs> every other week. Did, have you tried the vegan banana pudding? Have you made it yet? No, no. I don't. Yeah, no. What? Not since my house. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty it's good. good. I was trying to think, what is in banana pudding that's not vegan? Um, <laughs> but I guess the milk-based products. The milk, the, yeah. <laughs> so it's just removing that. And, You're using uh, like, like uh, bananas. Vegan cream cheese is like the base. The wafers, I'm sure, are vegan. Yeah, it does like how many gluten ones. I was like, no, just get the normal <laughs> vanilla wafers. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not gluten intolerant. I just can't have dairy. Vanilla wafers. Psycho. <laughs> Got the rice wafers. Yeah, that's why I was like, I was, I was offended. I was like, These that's are terrible. Awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. So Dana loves the South. She doesn't know it yet. Yeah. But she's still, she's still working through the whole. Why are people trying to be nice and not direct? So that's going to be a fun one. I think there's there should be a podcast three down the road Ew. in years to come. We call it Small Talk. On, on, on coming back around. All the collections to, of Small Talk. How are you dealing with this still? Have you have you grown to, to enjoy and love and appreciate? I am growing a lot. I'm growing a lot. To, to enjoy and love and appreciate. The passivity, I don't think I ever will. And I actually think that that's not a Southern thing as much as it is also a personality thing. Like it, by and large, is more predominant in the South. But by golly, my mom's from the South, and she would offend yeah, a we fly. Yeah, this yesterday. And I grew up around that, and I have that, I have that in me. But I've had to grow to not be offensive. Like my twenties, I was so offensive, and my high school years, I was so direct. I just hurt people's feelings all the time, and had no friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think this is working for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think I'm leading well either. I don't think I'm actually communicating in a way that it's palatable. And I was like, okay. And so I, I was actually challenged by people not from these states. Um, the first person who challenged me in Bible college was from Scotland on my form of communication. Yeah. And I was like, I'm from the South. I'm born and raised in Knoxville. Well, I was born in Nashville, but still the South. So I don't know. I do think it's more predominant. I would agree with you. Small talk, fluff. Mm-hmm. But I think more and more people, especially younger people, are like want to um, – be real and authentic. I think maybe they've not seen it modeled as often here, though. Um, right. So when you're at the grocery store and it's really weird to you that someone says hi and asks you how you're doing, they're not expecting, well, actually, I'm really struggling today. Blah, 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 blah. This is happening in my life. And they're like, I, I literally was just saying hi. Yeah. Really, the, the, the rest of the question I really didn't want right. to answer to. The, the <laughs> hi, hi, how's your Friday going is a translation to just hello. I'm being in friendly, the South. yeah, and yeah. that's it. But I think there's more and more people that are wanting authentic community and conversations, but they just aren't sure what that looks like. Right. So I'm actually trying to answer those questions more honestly, because I think people don't know how to communicate that way as well. And I'm like, how do I get to be more vulnerable, even with a stranger? Yeah, to where they're like, wow, I want that. I want that for myself. How can I actually tap into an answer to that question if someone were to ask me because they don't think about that? How am I how, doing? How to be? How would I tell? How someone? to be direct and not passive, but mm-hmm. also take a moment to like right. breathe and then share. Yeah, you know, that yeah. could like be super transformative. That was something my spiritual director always taught. I was like, answer the question direct, but think about it for like two seconds before you answer. Because hmm. I usually shoot from the hip, and then shooting from the hip allows me to 
when I'm passionate about something, uh, <laughs> I, I do. I do shoot from the hip and just start just like word vomiting. Versus actually, what? how do I really feel about the right. answer to that question? Yeah, yeah, it's true. So tell me a little bit now that you're working with kids and youth, uh, their families building relationships, like what are some of the things you're just super excited about? What What are you seeing happening or what are you hopeful for? What's happening? What's going on? Oh, yeah. I have I have things that I'm excited about right now. Uh, over the summer, I just was hit with the reality of uh, the, the strong battle of light and dark, of violence and peace uh, with our kids. And so we go to camp. We take our youth to camp and just massive spiritual battle on the way there. Kids got sick. We prayed for healing. And actually, they all said that they felt better. Uh, which was a miracle and super awesome. So it gave me insight into, okay, well, there's really a serious spiritual battle here. I knew that, but I don't think I took it all that seriously um, until this summer. And then coming back from camp, we get on the on the bus to come back, or the, what is it called? A van. And immediately, within 20 minutes of getting on this van, the girls are talking about how they want to fight people. And, how, like, just the spirit of violence just came wow. in. It was crazy. We just had this week at camp, learning about Jesus, enjoying our time, having fun. And 20 minutes after you get on this van, we're going to talk about violence again. And so I obviously didn't know what to do. So I said, we're just going to pray and sing this out. So me and Morgan, uh, who also works here, uh, just blasted worship music and just sang it out and prayed it out. And within 20 minutes, you guys, 20 minutes, um, the girls were singing worship songs with us. They were requesting worship songs. Wow. Just super cool. So right now I'm in this space of just... Uh, reclaiming a lot of things uh, with the authority that Jesus has given me and just casting a lot of spirits out, um, and specifically the spirit of violence. Um, mm. And super cool, there's one girl in our youth program who will just be really quick to say, uh, I love violence. I've heard that come out of her mouth so many wow. times. She loves violence. And I told her one day, I said, you know what? In one year, you are going to cry about violence. You will not like violence anymore. Mm. And uh, she didn't. She didn't fight me on it. And uh, just in the past few weeks, you can tell that there's just been this shedding of violence. Hmm. Um, instead, now she's having people apologize for their violence. Oh my gosh! She's wow. engaging, really in- experiencing Jesus in our uh, youth nights, and you can you can just tell a whole shift. And I asked her the other day. I was, I was just asking her how school was going, and she said, "Miss Dana, I don't have beef with anybody right now." And I said. How does that feel? Does it feel so good? And she said, yeah, I feel so free. And I said, amen. And so it's been two months of just praying this out. And it could be a lot longer of, of praying for that, really, yeah. truly. Um, wow. But just such, so, so encouraging to experience that and see um, just the spirit change. Yeah. So, Dana, I really, like, I feel like we have to go there because this is such a buzz topic, so to speak, within inner cities and communities right now as far as violence interrupters and violence disruptor, all those things. Like there's grants that you can get federally, statewide, citywide, that they're like, we need, we want to see outcomes to reduce gun violence or these types mm-hmm. of crimes and these types of communities. And um, and I was just talking to someone this morning about, yeah, that we need to do something to address these things. But mm-hmm. you're talking about it is not just... Um, it's not just one-sided to address right. these issues. If we don't address the issues of heart and the hope mm-hmm. that and what is going on and the spirit, mm-hmm. the yes. spirit behind it, the yes. evil spirit, yes. and replace it with a yes. holy spirit, yes. 
then give them a job all day. Mm-hmm. They'll still find a gun later on. Right. If you right. don't replace that evil spirit with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I just like, what would be your solution as boots on the ground, working with kids? Yeah. Like, what would you say? Hey, here, here's a piece that we can't forget about violence interruption. What would you speak to yeah, funders? I think, and I think that kids need to explicitly hear um, fighting is not good. It is destructive and it's not good for you and it's not good for the other person. We had a, our first night back at youth. We just went over some rules and whatever. And one of the things is fighting will not be tolerated in this space because we prioritize mm. safety so much because you do not get safety out there. So this place will be a place of safety. And explicitly telling these kids, God, as God's people, he has called us to live in a different way. Yeah. And that is not a way of violence because that goes against everything that the kingdom is, everything. And God asks us to bring his kingdom to earth. And if we're being violent and encouraging that, that is against yeah. his kingdom. And so explicitly stating violence is bad. Do not do that. Okay, so that's one thing. Explicitly telling them, because I don't know how many people are actually telling them, this is not good for you. It is destroying you. Right. Um, people in their neighborhoods encourage it even. Right. Yeah. And their own families encourage it. Transport to Montgomery Village. Um, lots of violence over there with little kids, little young girls fighting. The last two weeks I've had to separate fights over there. Um, and... This week at visitation, I go to Montgomery Village, and as, as the kids get off the bus, that's where the, most of the violence happens. Um, and so I just felt like God asked me to walk a circle around the bus stop, mm. around that street, and just start to reclaim this area. And I'm going to reclaim Montgomery yeah. Village slowly, um, but surely, uh, in the name of Jesus and the authority that he's given me. Um, but I walked a circle around where the buses stop, and I walked on the sidewalk. And I just said, any evil spirit is not allowed to cross here. This will be a safe place, whatever. Um, And like 10 minutes later, uh, these girls get off the bus who have had some problems before. And there's this one girl who is just perpetually trying to fight. Um, But I was over on the other side of of the street. And I noticed that this one like pretty innocent girl was with this other girl who's pretty violent. And um, they were talking to a third person. I just thought it was interesting because I'd never see them together, but I was watching, Um, but they were on the grass. They weren't on the sidewalk. And usually the other girl that's pretty violent waits right on the sidewalk for this girl to get off the bus. And, but they were on the grass, which is obviously not the sidewalk. And um, soon enough, I see um, this girl go for this little sweet, innocent girl grabbing hair. Grandma's there. They're talking to grandma about um, this little girl's trying to tell her that she's being mean to me. And um, then all I know is I'm running across the street and I'm like trying to separate and get this other girl to safety. Um, But uh, yeah, I think there needs to be a lot of reclaiming. For Montgomery Village specifically, I pray a lot for uh, like bubbles of peace. It sounds weird, but bubbles Mm -hmm. of of peace safe places throughout that neighborhood where no violence and no evil and no darkness can exist but it's a safe place that god god will give them and so i created that space around the bus stop and i told the girl that that was uh hit i told her i said if this happens i want you to stay on the sidewalk because i i claimed this ground for god and when this happens i want you to say jesus come protect me jesus be here with me and, um, and you can tell the darkness to flee. You can tell yeah. the evil to flee. And yeah. so, um, I, yeah, people say it all the time, prayer has power. But um, I don't think that you really understand that until you're in, like, these really serious settings where there's literally nothing you can do but pray. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we need to explicitly say that this is not good and why. Um, and then also 
reclaim things for Jesus. Yeah. The spiritual component to me cannot be ignored or forgotten in any approach that's going to be successful to seeing violence rid in the community or from an individual's life. The spiritual component has to be addressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the teaching, the training, the understanding, the, you're talking about the why, mm-hmm. and just even understanding a history of and a spirit of and a generational cycle of and breaking those chains spiritually off of someone and allowing them to, do you feel that? Do you feel freedom? Do you, do you recognize the difference in bondage and freedom now? Do you recognize the difference in a desire to want to engage and not engage? What that, what you feel like that gave you before and what it really didn't, um, to be violent and, Man, the enemy is just wrecking havoc in so many of our communities with this. Yeah. Knoxville's not unique to it. And uh, this last Thursday night, we talked about anger with our youth. And a big thing, like teaching them how to engage with their anger, because obviously violence stems from anger. And mm. so I think some light bulbs light bulbs came on with our kids when I gave them a, a list of things that could potentially be behind their anger, telling them anger is just a secondary emotion. There is something behind your anger, and you have to... You have to figure out what's what's there for it to be healed and yeah. for things to change. Yeah. And so maybe it's insecurity, maybe it's fear, maybe you feel disrespected, maybe you don't feel safe. And teaching them how to engage with that, um, what what's what's behind the anger. Yeah. Reflecting on it, asking God to meet them in that, and then and then yeah. responding. So that's so good. Yeah. There's a there's a pastor out in California, Bill Johnson. I hear him talk about this a lot with unforgiveness and bitterness. He talks about how um, a lot of people want to correlate anger to murder, but really it stems from unforgiveness and bitterness either to self or others that is really um, murder in diapers. If we don't deal with those things, it will grow up and lead to, from anger to murder, to yeah. violence, you know, whether it's self-harm, whether it's, um, you know, harming others or spiritual death, you know, right. things that we will do. Um, there's so much bitterness and unforgiveness that they have we have yet to really pinpoint in our lives and in others' lives. Um, that really stems from a lot of these emotions that that people don't even know where it's coming from, aren't able to identify it. It's so crucial. But I know this summer, something some of the things you were doing as far as spiritual uh, direction and, and working with some of our youth with hearing God and practicing some of the different mm-hmm. you know spiritual disciplines and things like that. Just um, share a little bit about what that was like. Um, you know, you're taking mm-hmm. inner city youth yeah. to practice something that is very foreign to. Mm-hmm. Not just them, but our culture in general. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're doing it cross culturally, and it's already a challenge and a barrier there. But then to to engage them in that, what what was that process like? What was that journey for some of them? Yeah. Well, first, I think that my heart behind it was uh, experiencing God is what really um, ties you and God together, um, and it's not just a flippant faith. It's no, I've experienced my God. He has spoken to me. And he is with me. Um, and that's what, what builds a sturdy, solid faith, I think, is experience with God. And so um, I'm really passionate about uh, people knowing that God wants to speak to you. He created you to hear him. Um, and he created you to be with him. And so something I'm just really passionate about. And so when I went in with these youth, I just started where I started with uh, reading scripture and just asking asking the spirit to just bring something out. Um and sitting and listening, and it's hard to hear God if you're not willing to sit and listen um, and still yourself. And so it's actually, I, d- I don't know how many of them got something out of it, but they kept showing up. And mm-hmm. um, I know 
I know that one girl uh, got a vision from God, and mm-hmm. if it's just one girl, like I'll take like I'll take it. Obviously, I want all win. of them. That's a win. Big win. She got this beautiful picture that she shared with all the other girls about yeah. like her and Jesus in this in this field, and um, yeah, it was just so beautiful. And um, then there's this other kid who who is quick to receive from God and quick to mm. um, like hear what God has to say, and um, it's been cool to walk with him and just just ask him the question of what do you think that God is saying to you and also walking with them and reorienting a lot of the voice of God that we think is the voice of God is actually just shame hmm. um yeah kids kids and even us just think that God is angry and that there's shame hmm. and all this stuff and so when a kid shares with me what uh, they think that God is saying I'll, I'll start to ask some questions about do you think that is like the voice of God how do you feel God feels? How do you think God feels towards you in this? Just to redirect and also like kind of correct these ideas of God, God's voice yeah. and his relationship with us. So, um, no, it's been sweet. And we're, we've been doing Visio Divina the last few weeks, which is a divine seeing. So God wants to redeem and transform everything of us, even our eyes and the way that we see things. And so we've been doing Visio Divina the last few weeks with our youth and uh, middle schoolers, you know, it's we're we're adjusting. It's really a trial, touch and go, trying to figure this out as we do it. Um, but the high schoolers, you can tell that they're focused and engaged. And that same girl who has said that she loves violence is like tuned into this mm. picture that we shared with them to try and hear and try and see um, where God might be speaking to her. Um, and it's a lot of leading by example too of. Uh, doing it with them and then sharing. I feel like I feel like God spoke this to me, and even if they didn't hear anything, just knowing and maybe hearing a testimony of, well, God does speak. He does, and He yeah. wants to speak to you. It's just practice, and that's a big thing that I press every time. Is we are just practicing hearing the voice of God. It's not going to be perfect. I don't hear Him perfectly, and you won't. But we just we should just practice. That's so good. Have you been able to? I know those are predominantly high schoolers and some middle schoolers. Have have you seen this happening with younger kids, or or how is it mm-hmm. different? What's that like? Yeah, with with my younger kids, um, I do a lot of imaginative prayer type of situations. So uh, kids are very imaginative, and so I'll just say, even in a sidewalk, um, if I want them to imagine that Jesus is with them or whatever, I'll just say, I want you to close your eyes and imagine with me. And if you're imagining, put your two fingers on your forehead, and I want you to imagine that, okay, so this is what I did this week. I want you to imagine that Jesus is sitting right next to you on the bus. And so that's practicing the presence Mm. of Jesus right there. They don't know this. They don't know that they're experiencing God and that they're training their minds to be aware of where God is present. But that's what I'm doing with them. Uh, God wants to transform our imaginations. He wants to transform everything. And um, why not start at such a young age with little kids who are already imaginative? Yeah. And using that. So good. You can pray for those bubbles in Montgomery Village, but then you can also teach Mm -hmm. kids how to create that bubble, which is even more powerful. Yes. That's really awesome. I love to hear that. Well, what else? Is there anything else you would want to share before we wrap up that you're just passionate and excited about or anything you see the uh, the Lord Mm -hmm. doing new in you and through you? Hmm. Good question. (laughs) Besides being in a play at her new church? Being in a play. I'm going to be in a play. What? You you have a roommate that came with you from the residency, and and that's pretty neat. She is a rock star. She's been coming um, on Thursday nights. That's Sweet. Cool. To steal her to That's awesome. Be a youth leader with us. Um, 
yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think that, I think I've touched on it with the prayer aspect, but for me personally, um, the last couple months have felt a lot of God asking me to wait and be patient and let him like go before me and move. And then just in the last two days, I have felt this really, really strong shift of now, Dana, since you've waited, I'm asking you to step in and go reclaim things. Mm. Um, so like reclaiming my house when there is, when I can palpably feel the spirits in there that are not mm. of God, uh, reclaiming that, even though like sometimes I just don't want to, but he's asked me to reclaim it. And so I will, it's easier than whatever other mm. option there is, um, to reclaim, uh, like our kids for Jesus to reclaim even streets at Montgomery village yeah. to reclaim these things. My car has been broken for six weeks and God's Lord, asking me that. It's been to broken for a lot longer that. than that. <laughs> but he asked me to wait. He really did. He asked mm. me to wait and be patient and to learn that he is actually a good father and that he will provide and to trust him. So he was like building this trust and this dependence on him in the midst of that. And now he's asking me to go, go reclaim these things. Uh, so, and this is another reason why it's so important to sit and practice listening to God. And I definitely don't do it perfectly. Every day I'm like, oh, God, I, I haven't been listening to you the last couple hours. Where are you at? <laughs> um, but how are we going to know where God is leading and what he's doing if we don't take the time to sit and listen and yeah. practice? Practice that and practice listening to his promptings and um, the shifts in, in the spirits and whatever. Mm, that's but, good. yeah, uh, reclaiming a lot for Jesus is like pretty significant the last couple of days. That's awesome. Uh, well, our listeners will get to hear this, but I'm always encouraged, Dana, just to be around you and to watch what God is doing in and through you. It's a challenge to hear at our workplace at Kiko and um, just to, to me personally. And so it's always refreshing to be around you. And I'm so glad you have gotten to share with us again. I, I think there's you. definitely going to be a third one. I think so. Yeah. The, and the hopefully not south, in a year. The deep south. <laughs> Small talk. We'll call it small, small talk. It'll be the small, small talk. talk episode. Coffee and small talk. Okay, so can I just add a quick little disclaimer? <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to do it. Anyway. It's your floor. This is getting so, edited. It's getting so, cut. Um, this is going to be a blooper clip, but I don't like small talk, okay? Uh, but, you know, living in the South, you have to adapt. You have to assimilate. learn how to assimilate to culture, you know. She's convincing herself that she has to do those right, things right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. But, y'all, I have the craziest – when I attempt to do small talk, I get just the craziest conversations. It's true. One time I talked to this lady at um, at K-Brew about, like, I'm not even going to talk about it. It's just – it was just crazy. you got to make it fun. It's, it's you have to look intimacy. back and you're like – this is so weird. What did we just talk about? Yeah. And then also a couple yeah. weeks ago, I was just at the gym, minding my own thing, not trying to talk to anybody. I'm at the gym, headphones in. And this guy comes in and he has this massive speaker on his shoulder. I'm like, oh, is there a class about to happen in a here? A boombox. Do I need to leave? Soon enough, he waves me down and he is telling me he's going to start his music. Next thing I know, we've had a conversation for an hour. And he's a Muslim <laughs> man. He has two wives, was giving me marriage advice, dating advice, wow. teaching me how to self like defend myself, how to box, t- telling me about nutrition and health. We even talked about Jesus and Islam and all these things. You can't things. get these random things anywhere else. And this is why Welcome it's called, well, South. I think that God gives divine appointments too. So I don't know. My life is kind of like In a movie. In small talk? Feel, <laughs> right, right. I, I just feel like my life is a movie. And this is why it's fun to listen to the spirit and follow the spirit. Because Absolutely. it's more fun. Your your first small talk encounter at Cabrera, I don't think was divine appointment. No, just you don't like, think so. It was just random ladies. I know. I think that God was trying to. No, He was with me in that, and we were laughing about it in the midst of it. So, okay. I think that I think that God was trying to have me a little fun there. You got invited to something that 
anyways. Yeah, that's it was so strange. funny. That's, that's all you so need funny. to know. But yep, that's all. Oh, I, I love that God can um, just put fun and laughter and joy yeah. back in our life. And yeah. it, if if we'll if we'll have yeah. eyes to see it, it right. it's those divine moments of just like, hey, these these are fun. Yeah. Life is fun. People are different. Enjoy these. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy diversity. Yeah. Have fun out there, folks. Uh, and if you're listening, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, send us an email, podcast at kiko.org. Yeah, if you want that small talk episode, let us know. <laughs> and for our uh, and for uh, Jeremiah Branson, you're getting a shout out today. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Again. If you want Jeremiah on, email us at podcast at kiko.org. N- not from Jeremiah's email. No. It's got to be We'll stands. know. We'll know. Yeah, we'll know. All right. Until next time. 